System of a Down with a song called Chop Suey. Welcome to the show. My name is Louie. The name of the show is Louie Live, and I'm your host. And as I said, we are definitely live. Got off to a rough start today. We had some glitches that we had to get out of the system. That's the way it goes when you're flying by the seat of your pants. Anybody wants to have a show, go on down here and we'll hook you right on up. Go to my website, Louie Live. Ask to join. It's a good place to display your music. Come on the show anytime you want. Just give me a holler. So my show is a live call-in show. Phone number is 802-540-6890, as always. It's a music and talk show. It's an opinion show. My opinion... I'm an independent, lifelong resident of Vermont, God's country. This isn't a news show. We're not CNN, MSNBC. We're not Fox News. None of that. One thing you notice on these shows, like uh, Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh and those guys, you know, we've been talking here about a coupe that's been going on. Coupe detente, they call it, right? Or a coup. I call it a coupe. It's C-O-U-P. Some people pick on me because I call it a coupe, right? But we've been discussing that for about two years now. And I said that a lot of the shows won't openly say that because they're politically correct and they don't want to lose their sponsors because a lot of people come after you and they threaten to have you pulled off the air and they're going to boycott all your sponsors and whatever. But we've been discussing all of that here for the last couple of years. And now we're finally at the point 
where everybody's saying it. And now they're all saying that they're the ones that have been saying it first. Well, I've got my blogs going all over the place and podcasting going on. And you can type Louie Live into the internet and track me down. Or like I said, you can go on Facebook, type me down there. And you'll see that we've been discussing it here right along. And as I was saying, we have a new attorney general, Mr. Barr, B-A-R-R. He's been around the swamp, Washington, D.C., for quite a few years. And he knows the system frontwards and backwards, and he knows all the players, still the same people, been there for 50 years, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Patrick Leahy, Nancy Pelosi. It's all the same people. You know, Joe Biden has thrown his hat into the presidential ring. He's going to run for president of the United States after being in politics for about 50 years. You know, and the funny part is is now he's going to get things done. Right? He's going to get things done after 50 years. Same thing with Bernie Sanders. He's been in politics all his life. Last 40 years or so. And now he's going to get things done. This is the best that the Democrats have to offer, folks. And it's pretty sad. One woman was saying the other day she's 80 years old. I heard this on airwaves. Saying how she's been a Democrat all her life. Always voted Democrat. But she said now the Democratic Party is far from what it used to be. And now she votes Republican. But see, the Democrats don't pick up on this sort of thing. And they never learn because they don't listen to the people that put them into office. That's why they've lost so many seats over the last several years. And a lot of people are saying how the Democrat Party is basically dead. People want to know when are they going to stop talking about Russian collusion? I mean, they said all along that President Trump was going to fire Mueller, Rosenstein, all of them. Right? He never did. Trey Gowdy was on TV numerous times along with Lindsey Graham. They're all on TV. Jason Chavez, they're saying how Donald Trump was not going to fire any of the people investigating him. They were just going to let it play out for as long as it took and wait for the results. And it's exactly what they did. You know, the Democrats wanted to pass legislation to protect Mueller and his team so that Donald Trump couldn't fire them. But that never happened. And President Trump, once again, never fired any of them. Even though Robert Mueller supposedly is a Republican... And supposedly, he was going to put together a non-biased team to investigate President Donald Trump. 
for Russian collusion. But you know, the team that he put together was like 13 of the nastiest Democrats that walked this planet. And pretty much all of them worked for Hillary Clinton. I mean, I couldn't be any more biased, could it? So, took over two years. Robert Mueller hands over the investigation to Mr. Barr, the new attorney general. Hands him over his report of about 500 pages. After researching over one million documents over the last couple of years. After questioning hundreds of people after spending approximately 40 million of the taxpayers' dollars to investigate President Trump of Russian collusion, which isn't even illegal to begin with, right? So President Trump and the Republicans sat there for two and a half years being called basically every name in the book They got the results. Robert Mueller and Attorney General Barr come to the conclusion that after spending $40 million and researching over 1 million documents and questioning hundreds of people, all voluntarily, people on the Trump administration, none of them were subpoenaed or anything, they all were there voluntarily and were questioned. And the conclusion of the investigation is that there was no collusion. Right? So now they're saying there is obstruction of justice because President Trump kept referring to the investigation as a witch hunt. Well, you know, folks, they have the First Amendment called freedom of speech. President Trump or anybody is allowed to say whatever they think, whatever comes out of their mouth. Sometimes the First Amendment is not a good thing because there's some pretty bad things that come out of people's mouths nowadays. Like Nancy Pelosi, for instance, Speaker of the House. She doesn't want to accept the results of Robert Mueller's investigation. She doesn't want to accept the results of the White House investigators. She doesn't want to accept the conclusion of the new Attorney General, Mr. Barr's report of the investigation of Russian collusion. The Democrats refuse to accept the results. And now they're saying that the Attorney General, Mr. Barr, has to come before them and hand over all one million and some odd pieces of evidence, unredacted, so they can spend another 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars, even a hundred million dollars 
because the money is unlimited. And years investigating every person that Donald Trump ever came in contact with in his lifetime. We even see news reports that they're investigating his children and his grandchildren. I mean, how pathetic is that, right? They say they know. They know there's collusion. They know it. They know it for a fact. We've been listening for over two years, the Democrats saying how, like Mr. Adam Schiff, saying they have evidence that President Trump colluded with the Russians. And everybody's telling him, if you have evidence, bring it forward. Anybody has evidence, bring it forward. And everybody out there on this entire planet knows that if the devil himself had information of Trump colluding with the Russians, they would dig a hole down to hell to pry this information from the devil's hand in order to impeach President Donald Trump. But they have nothing, folks. They've had nothing for over two years. They've known it for two years that they've had nothing. And yet, they've decided to go forward with a fake dossier that has been paid for by Obama and Hillary Clinton. We have proof of that for sure. And they didn't bother to research any of this information in this phony dossier. And all these people, folks, what? Either you don't realize or you don't want to accept the fact that probably 95% of politicians in Washington, D.C. are all lawyers. And most of them went to Ivy League colleges such as Harvard, Yale, and Stanford and whatnot. They're all highly educated attorneys. But yet they all decided to go ahead and try to remove the President of the United States from office with a dossier that they knew was phony. And not a one of them took two seconds to research any of the information. And this is why, folks, regardless of what your political affiliation is, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Progressive, if you're an independent like me, you know for the sake of national security that there has to be more investigations by the Attorney General and the White House investigators on the Democrat side of this story. As I've always said, if our founding fathers were here right now, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington and those guys, Thomas Jefferson, all the people that wrote the Constitution, they would take all of these treasonous Democrats and march them out onto the lawn of the White House and either put them in front of the firing squad or hang them all by the necks for treason. Because this is probably the most treasonous moment in the history of the United States of America. And I've said here over two years ago, from the very beginning, that 
It's like a football team, the Republicans against the Democrats. And nobody cares if the other team is really cheating. They just want their team to win. That's a God's honest truth. That's what politics is. And you have to realize that our country is not going to go any further in advancements if we keep this train of thought. So there has to be more investigations. There's a story to every two sides. That's what they say, right? There's two sides to every coin, two sides to every story. Well, all we heard was the Republican side and the Republican was the only side that was investigated to the tune of like $40 million, but myself, I believe it's way more money than that. So now we have to investigate the Democrat side. Maybe that's why Obama and his administration sent all of those pallets of money in the middle of the night loaded on planes to different destinations around the world. So if they ever have to leave the country in a moment's notice, they can go to a country like Iran, which Obama gave over $150 billion to. And they will hide them out there. They won't extradite them back to the United States if requested. No, sir, they won't. So you have to ask yourself, there's got to be a reason why Obama sent billions and billions of dollars around the world in the middle of the night, different types of cash currency. Where did he get that money from? That's what I want to know. Not everybody's got $150 billion in cash laying around. Having said all that, we're going to switch gears. But first... We're going to go to a song by Aerosmith. This is an oldie but a goodie from the Toys in the Attic album. It's called No More, No More.
All right, and that was Toys in the Attic, Aerosmith, with a song called No More, No More. All right, so about the first half hour of the show is almost over with. And we got through all of the glitches we had in the beginning. That's how it is sometimes in the, the airways business, whether you're on the radio or on television. You know, it's called Murphy's Law. Things that are unexpected will happen. We're going to get back to uh, President Trump and Special Counsel Robert Mueller and Attorney General William Barr. Going to get back to all of that, but we're going to switch gears. Going to go to some good news because there's not much of that out there nowadays in social media. This woman right here from South Burlington, Mom, she wins $1 million of Monopoly prize money. And it says, no play money in this Monopoly game. A South Burlington woman just won the real deal. She says, I was like, oh my God, this is not happening right now. This is crazy, said Christian Anderson. Anderson usually drops cash on groceries when she shops for her family. In South Burlington, she says, I'm still in shock, she said, and I'm still in awe. Well, I can imagine playing a Monopoly game at a grocery store and you get all the pieces and you win a million dollars. Good for her, huh? That's phenomenal. But it says, the South Burlington mom won the grocery chain's Monopoly collect and win game. She got all eight markers needed to fill up the $1 million cash price base on the game board. This is a start over for us, she said. I bet it is. You know, you can like pay off all your bills and start over fresh. Would be an exhilarating feeling, wouldn't it? So Anderson said she and her husband Tyler will pay off debt and get bigger digs, meaning a new home. Sounds like a plan to me, right? I think we're going to buy some land and build a nice big house to accommodate our family, Anderson said. This is a life-changing event for our family. And the game's not over yet, so you still have a shot. It runs through May 7th or until all the stores run out of tickets. So, you know, you still have a chance to go out there and win a million dollars yourself. It's pretty cool, huh? Stuff like that never happens to me. Would be nice if it did. This is a sadder story. Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca in the Star Wars film. He died at the age of 74. God rest his soul. It says, actor Peter Mayhew, who played Shaggy Towering Chewbacca in several of the Star Wars films, had died. And his family said this past Thursday he was 74 years old. Died at his home in Texas this past Tuesday, according to a family statement. No cause was given. The seven foot three Mayhew, that's tall, huh? Seven foot three. He played the beloved and furry Chewbacca sidekick to Han Solo and co pilot of the Millennial Falcon, the name of their spaceship, in the original Star Wars trilogy. He went on to appear as the Wookiee in the 2005 Revenge of the Sith and shared the part in 2015 The Force Awakens with actor. Jonas Sutama, who later took over the role. 
He put his heart and soul into the role of Chewbacca, and it shows in every frame of the films the family Satan instead. But to him, the Star Wars family meant so much more to him than a role. So they had become his family. Well, I imagine so after doing several Star Wars movies. You're on the stage some of those days, long hours. You read how some of these people are in makeup for three or four hours or so just before they can actually start doing their lines and, you know, being in the movie. Johnny Depp was saying that he'd have to be in makeup for several hours to play Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. And he said he is doing 16-hour-a-day shots, putting those movies together. And he says, you know, he's an older man now. And he doesn't really have 16 hours a day left in him. I'm sure it takes a lot of patience. Johnny Depp, he made so much money doing those Pirate of the Caribbean movies. And then, like last year, he was saying how he's broke. And he burned through like $500 million. That's crazy, isn't it? How can you sympathize with somebody that pissed away over $500 million. You can't. I think a lot of his problem was drinking because they showed him on a show one night, I think it was Entertainment Tonight, and they showed he opened up this closet and there was a great big safe in there, about as big as he is. And he opened it up and there was all these bundles of cash money in there in these bottles of wine. And they're saying that these bottles of wine were like over $25,000 a bottle. Well, I'm sure you can burn through a lot of money if you're drinking bottles of wine that are $25,000 a bottle. Myself, personally, I know how to make wine. And it's all basically the same. Just a matter of grapes, basically. And there's not a bottle on this planet that's worth $25,000. I mean, when you go into a store and you see a whole aisle of bottles of wine and they're all about probably on the average, maybe like what, eight or $9 to $20 a bottle on the average. That's basically what wine is actually worth. And that's probably putting high some of those bottles that are $25. Basically just water, grapes, sugar, yeast, some pectin tablets, a couple other things, and that's basically it, folks. It's all basically the same. Speaking of drinking, this article says Vermont tops the list for underage drinking. Can you believe that? This is a national data not Vermont data, this is national data that shows that more Vermonters ages 12 and up are drinking alcohol compared to the rest of the country. 12 and up. Where are they getting this stuff from? Probably right in their house, I suppose. State leaders, parents, and those working with teens all say kids need more outlets in the state. They say the conversation needs to happen earlier than many people think. 
Probably the time, though, would be better the latter part of elementary school and into middle school, said Rajni Eddins, a youth mentor who has worked with teens in schools, alternative programs, and as an artist. I don't know where the artist part comes into it when you're talking to teens about alcohol, but we'll give them that. So for Eddins and many parents, deterring kids from alcohol comes down to finding alternative activities that grab and keep their attention. But Eddins says there aren't enough safe spaces for youth to gather. Create particularly youth-focused spaces to engage them where their interests are art is a huge factor in that, he said. Well, I'm not so sure that Kids need more safe spaces to gather, like the YMCA and whatnot. I mean, those are good places to gather, and they're safe, supposedly. Unless Ed Flanagan was hanging out in the locker room. Remember Ed Flanagan? We won't even go there about that pervert. But anyhow, what kids need more is to be involved with their family. They need more family time. They need game nights. They need to go out on hikes. They need to go to the beach. They need to go to the movies. They need to just get in the car and go for a ride. You can sit around and watch TV, make a big bowl of popcorn. That's what families used to do. They didn't all sit there on their telephones, their iPads and whatnot. They didn't need any safe spaces. Just need more family time. Stay involved with your kids. You'll find out that they'll grow up to be good adults most of the time. And you have to trust them. Everything that you put into them. Because kids are like a sponge. If you put good things into them, they'll become good people. You have to have faith. and You have to have trust in your kids. That's a problem with a lot of parents. Their kids walk out the door and like, oh my God, where the heck is Johnny? What's Johnny doing? What's he up to? I don't know. You know, I better put a tracking device on his phone and see where he is, where he's at, who he's talking to. Well, if you put some good things into your kid, you don't have to worry about them so much when they walk out the door. And they'll turn into good adults, like I said. But right here, talks mostly about safe spaces. He also recommends teachers and mentors get comfortable talking about alcohol abuse. But the survey isn't just a warning for parents and kids. It's a warning to all adults who drink. It says Vermont has a significantly high rate of alcohol use than the rest of the United States as a whole, said Kelly Doherty of the Vermont Health Department. She says Vermont tops the list for binge drinking. The state defines binge drinking as five or more drinks in one sitting for men and four for women. Heavy drinking can impact your health physically and it can contribute to chronic diseases. Officials say having kids wait to have the first drink will lower their chances of developing a problem down the road. No kidding, right? But it still doesn't say 
what causes these kids to be binge drinking. And this is talking about from the ages of 12 and up. So you have a bunch of politically correct people out there listening and say, well, you know, Louis, what we ought to do is uh, raise the price of alcohol so high that nobody can afford it. Or we could raise the drinking age to like 100. So no one will be able to drink it. None of that's going to happen, folks, because the state of Vermont is the largest employer there is in the state of Vermont. They need to sell a lot of alcohol. They need to sell a lot of cigarettes, vaping machines. On every corner, there's a brewery now. There's a distillery. When they legalize pot next year for recreational purposes, there's going to be a store on every corner selling marijuana and edibles. Because, as I said, the government is the largest employer in the state of Vermont. And there's only a little over 600,000 people living in the state of Vermont. There's just not enough of them to tax. So they need to sell as much alcohol, cigarettes, vape machines, scratch tickets as they can to give themselves a bigger salary and benefits package. You know, if things are so bad for you, why are they legalizing marijuana? This article says, survey finds more people are driving high on marijuana. The number of people driving high on marijuana is rising. Now there's a new effort to warn drivers about the dangers. Well, I don't think you have to warn them because they already know. They're hiring a kite. They know they shouldn't be driving. And do you really have to warn the other people out on the road? I don't think you really care about warning the other people if you just legalize marijuana for recreational purposes. That goes to show that you don't really care about the people out there on the road. It's right there. Proof is in the pudding, as they say. Ron Edwards was riding his motorcycle four years ago when a driver ran the red light and killed him. God rest his soul. Police say the driver of the car had marijuana in his system. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration most recent survey found that between 2007 and 2013, there was a 48% increase in weekend nighttime drivers who tested positive for cannabis. I'll bet there's more than that. But we'll go with the statistics because our taxes paid for these surveys. Since the survey, several states have legalized marijuana, even knowing all that, for medical or recreational use. Certainly, we see the problem in states that allow for medical or recreational access, but even states that are not allowing access, said Heidi King, the deputy administrator of the NHTSA, which I don't even want to know what that is. It doesn't say what it is. So King says driving high increases the risk of a crash. Wow. 
That's the conclusion after spending our tax dollars on these surveys. And then we hire these people with all of these college degrees. And this woman, Heidi King, the deputy administrator of the NHTSA, she comes to the conclusion. And she says, driving high increases the risk of a crash. Isn't that something, folks? She sounds kind of high to me. Anybody could have come up with that conclusion. So their decision-making is impaired and their reaction time is slowed. So we want to start a national conversation about the risk of marijuana, King said. Well, haven't I said that about a billion times, folks? People go to college and they have meetings and they have conversations. Then they discuss more meetings and more conversations and surveys. And when they're at these meetings, a lot of them are at a nice hotel in a conference room and they're eating breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Sometimes it goes on for a day or two. And they're eating all three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the taxpayer's expense. Kind of like back in the old days, a friend of mine's parents owned the Brown Derby Hotel up on Northfield Road, Mont Peculiar. And his father was involved in the legislation. It's kind of weird because his parents were both school teachers, middle school. They didn't have any money. They had an average house. But it was like when his father got involved in the legislation in Vermont, all of a sudden they had money flowing out of their ears. They had like a chain of laundry mats. They had the Brown Derby Hotel. And his father would have someone fly him out to Vegas for the summer. That's basically where he hung out, wheeling and dealing. But the day that he died, all of that got taken away from the family. So anyhow, like I was saying, how does this relate to this, Louie? Where are you going? You're always taking us down this crazy path, leading us in circles. But then in the end, you end to tie it all together and bring us back to the starting point, 360. Well, all these stories are about underage drinking, legalization of marijuana by these legislators who care nothing about your safety. They don't care if you're driving drunk or stoned. They don't care if you're living in a gutter. They just want you at the booth's voting day to vote for them, to get reelected. They want to tax you to death on alcohol and marijuana and vaping machines and every brewery, microbrew that you drink and distilled alcohol from all these distilleries that they're starting up in Vermont. And soon it's going to be full-blown legalization of marijuana and there's going to be a store on every corner and you're going to be able to go in there and buy all these different types of marijuana and all these edibles and they're going to tax you to death on it. So they give themselves a bigger salary and benefits package. And everybody knows. I don't know about today, but over the years, ever since I was a kid, 
the legislators would get together every year to create laws, pass laws, and they would sit in the restaurants every night and be wined and dined like royalty. And they would sleep at hotels like the Brown Derby up on Northfield Road, which my friend's parents owned. These people would be out there every night at the taxpayer's expense, living the lifestyle of royalty, drinking champagne, caviar, drinking like a fish. Seriously, everybody knows that's a God's honest truth and it probably hasn't even changed to this very day in the year 2019. These are the people drinking and dancing all night, drunker than a skunk at our expense. And then they have the audacity to turn around and talk to you about drinking and smoking marijuana and stuff and how they care about you, concerned about your health. They do all these surveys. That's where we're going to, folks. Like I say, some of these people, they don't just pull the wool over your eyes. They pull the whole darn sheep. That's how pathetic it is. And people still keep voting them back into office. That's the crazy part. But they come up with these surveys. They find more people are driving high on marijuana. And there's the governor, Phil Scott. Threatens to veto this, veto that. And he even comes out and says he's concerned about how they're going to test you for marijuana in your system when they pull you over on the side of the road. How are they going to make money off of you? How are they going to make this stand up in a court of law in Vermont if they pull you over for drinking under the influence of driving? They want to give you a breath test where you blow into the machine shows the alcohol content in your bloodstream. And if you refuse to blow into that machine to test how much alcohol is in your bloodstream, then you are automatically found guilty of driving under the influence of alcohol. And it's going to come down to the same thing for marijuana. Right now they're talking about swabbing the inside of your cheek and doing a drug test, but they can't really have immediate results when they pull you over on the side of the road. I believe now they still have to send it to a laboratory to be tested, and it could take hours or days or weeks maybe, who knows. But it's not good enough for them. They don't want to give you any cause in a court of law to Represent yourself to the point of being innocent. They want to be able to bust you instantaneously on the side of the road, just like they can now with alcohol. And that's basically what the governor is concerned about. 
CYA. Cover your assets. So, having said that, the first hour of the show is almost over. Gonna go to another song. Another oldie but a goodie right here by ACDC. It's called Walk All Over You. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Here we go.
All right, that was one of the best bands in the world, ACDC, with a song called Walk All Over You. So, first hour of the show is done. We'll move on to the second. Stick to a couple local issues right here. This one here is about uh, the Burlington plants trees to offset the doomed ash trees. Says the city of Burlington, Vermont is planting a variety of young trees to offset expected damage from an ash tree killing a pest. Well, if I remember right, it was pretty darn cold this past winter. A lot of days was like 30, 35 below zero with the wind chill. Some places colder than that up in the higher elevations. But I was listening to the weatherman and he was saying how this Arctic cold had come down and covered pretty much the entire United States. And he said one good thing about it was that they had these bugs that were eating up the ash trees and the cold weather killed the majority of them. And he said that was a good thing. But now the city of Burlington is planting a variety of young trees to offset expected damage from an ash tree killing pest. I kind of believe the weatherman because when it's cold out, you ever notice how you have a lot of plants around your house and it'll say this plant is good for like a zone four and it's good for like 20 to 30 below zero I'll tell you folks, when you look outdoors the other day, every day, and it says like 35 below zero, that's cold. And some of the toughest plants out there, their roots get so frozen that they just can't take the pressure and they die. Seems like every year you have a couple plants that don't make it, and they should have. But like I said, when it's like 35 below zero every day for a couple weeks in a row, even the toughest plants can't take it. This Vermont environment is tough on everything. So the Burlington Free Press reports that the emerald ash borer has already been detected in Colchester, Milton, and South Hero, and foresters estimate 150 million ash trees around the state are at risk. That's a lot of ash trees, isn't it, folks? They estimate it would cost about $1.1 million and remove and replace the city's 1,249 ash trees. It's a lot of trees around the city of Burlington. I never realized there was that many. It's hard to believe. That's just ash trees. That's not even maple trees or oak trees or whatnot. $1.1 million. I think I would kind of wait on that a little bit and focus on fixing the potholes, <laughs> right? I saw this article right here. It says, Firefighters rescued New Hampshire man left dangling from a 60-foot tree while he was trying to recover his drone. Isn't that amazing? 
A New Hampshire man who climbed a 60-foot tree trying to retrieve his drone became stuck for about 30 minutes and had to be rescued by the firefighters. <laughs> Daniel LaCourse was not injured when he got stuck in the 60-foot tree, but he says it was really scary. He promises never to make a climb like that again. I'm sure the firemen told him also, you climb up here again, you're going to be on your own. So he decided Wednesday to climb a Manchester, New Hampshire tree in which his drone had been stuck for two weeks. At first it seemed simple to the course who borrowed a friend's climbing gear and looked up how to climb on YouTube. Hate to say it, folks, but whenever I get stuck and I need to know something, I watch a lot of YouTube videos myself. Very helpful. So LaCourse hoisted himself up the tree and used a massive stick to dislodge the drone, but then things went south. He says, I didn't expect it to be so difficult and take so much endurance, LaCourse said. The man was left dangling from a rope 60 feet in the air. I was just hanging up there, LaCourse said. Panic set in when I couldn't feel my legs. <laughs> I guess so, right? Must have been hanging upside down or something. All the blood kind of went out of his body down to his head. That would have been a good YouTube video if you got that, anybody. Send me a link to Louie Live on Facebook. I like to watch that. LaCourse friends called the Manchester Fire Department. Deputy Chief Michael Camachi was one of the many who answered the call. He couldn't grab anything. He wasn't holding on to anything. He was just hanging on to the rope, Camachi said. Using a ladder truck, the fire department was able to secure LaCourse's equipment and bring him and his drone back down to earth after about 30 minutes. LaCourse was not injured in the incident, but he says it was really scary and he promises to never climb a tree like that again. Firefighters say LaCourse likely would have died if he had fallen from the tree. <laughs> well, I would say so, right? 60 feet up in the air? Yeah, I'd say you'd probably crack your head open. Be like hitting the ground like a watermelon. Thump. Right? Not a pretty sight. Another article about Burlington. It says uh, Burlington City Council members say the smoking ban on the Church Street Marketplace should not be a priority for police and is best enforced by citizens or self-policy. Well, you know, folks, you see anybody smoking a cigarette out in public, do not approach them because... Smokers, and I used to be a smoker myself, if they're out in public, they feel that they can smoke a cigarette anywhere they want, which is I used to, right? I smoked all my life because people from my generation, that's what we all did. We all smoked cigarettes because they used to have commercials on TV with doctors, of all things, doing cigarette commercials, promoting them, telling them how good they are for you, right? Our tax dollars paid them for that, too. One of the most addictive drugs in the world, they say. Cigarettes and nicotine. And here, the government used to target people. And they used to encourage everyone to smoke. Once again, so they could tax you to death. 
and it goes right into their salaries and benefits packages. Just like they're doing nowadays with microbreweries and distilleries and legalizing marijuana. Next thing will be gambling and prostitution. That's already here, folks. One time on the news, they had a woman was prostituting from a motel down on Shelburne Road. And they busted her. And I think they said she was charging people $250. And the police was right on television. And he says, we're not going to spend all of our police time chasing down prostitutes. But if you do get caught, we'll give you a $50 ticket. Right? So the woman was charging people $250 for sex. So then now she'd have to turn around and give the police $50 if she is caught. So basically the police just became her pimp. Isn't that the truth? It's a God's honest truth. Police even said, we're not going to waste man hours chasing down prostitutes. But if you do get caught, it's a $50 ticket. Well, that was years ago, folks. I'm sure now the ticket has gone up probably about 100 to $200. But it's still out there. And as far as gambling goes, you walk into any store and they've got about 50 million kinds of scratch tickets. And these tickets aren't a dollar anymore either. A lot of them aren't even $2 a piece. Some of these tickets are like $5, 10 20 $30 a piece. And you scratch them all off and you lose. And you throw it in the garbage. Gambling is very addictive. We don't have the casinos in Vermont, folks. The government controls it all. And they make all the money on scratch tickets, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, marijuana. The government's the worst thing that ever happened to people. They're the ones that want to keep you addicted. And like I was saying, the Burlington City Council member says the smoking ban on Church Street Marketplace should not be a priority for police. And it is best enforced by citizens or self-policing. Like I said, folks, you don't go up and approach anyone outdoors smoking a cigarette because they will become most likely very belligerent. A lot of people nowadays, especially in the state of Vermont, they have the right to carry a gun. There's a lot of crazy people out there too. A lot of crazy people. That's what happened to those politicians in Washington that were playing baseball. They were practicing for a game, remember? Guy got out of his car. He's one of the people that worked for Bernie Sanders. He walked up to some people and he says, which one of these teams practicing is the Republican team? And they told him. And he went over and started shooting people. Remember that? A lot of these people walking around wearing shirts that say resist. A lot of politicians like Bernie Sanders and Hillary and Obama traveling around the country or even around the world 
telling people to resist anything that comes out of President Trump's mouth or his administration. You got crazy woman Maxine Waters, Congresswoman from California, right out on the street corner telling people if you see any of Trump's supporters, you gather around them and you get in their face and you scream at them and you tell them you are not welcomed here or anywhere. It's bad, isn't it? This woman should be locked up in a mental institution. I think everybody that runs for political office should be made to pass a psychiatric evaluation. Yep. So like I said, folks, a lot of crazy people out there. You see anybody out on the street smoking, just walk away from them, give them their space. If there's a police officer they're not supposed to be smoking on a marketplace, they can go up and enforce the laws. That's why we're paying them, to enforce the laws. If you see any politicians walking up Church Street Marketplace and there's somebody smoking, you go over and you tell the politician, you created the laws you go over and tell them to put out the cigarette. And then you get your camera out and you start recording the results. And you put it on YouTube and send that link to me, folks, at Louie Live. It's the name of my group on Facebook. Because I'd sure like to see the results. It's not going to be pretty. Just keep your distance. Remember that? Just keep your distance. Don't be doing the job of the politicians and the police. Another Burlington article. Then we'll move on to something else. Maybe play another song here. Developers of a mall in Burlington on Church Street say they're making progress on financing plans and have construction documents out to bid. Out to bid. Can you imagine that, folks? Vermont Public Radio reports the $235 million project has been stalled and is months behind schedule Earlier this year, international developer Brookfield Properties, the managing partner in the project, took over day-to-day operations from developer Don Sinex, the man that put this whole mall project together. And then people bailed on him. And now he doesn't even have control of it. Brookfield Properties, the managing partner in the project, took over day-to-day operations from developer Don Sinex. It's not like they couldn't see that coming, right, folks? Guy didn't even have all his ducks in a row when they gave him all the permits to start ripping the Burlington Mall down. Bad representation of the city and your tax dollars, folks, right there. Brookfield Representatives gave the city council an update Monday saying they've addressed key milestones for the University of Vermont Medical Center, one of the core tenants. So there you go. They're building like this 14-story monstrosity on Church Street Marketplace, whereas all the other buildings are two and three stories tall. 
the stand's going to gonna stand out like a big sore thumb. And it's going to dwarf all the other buildings on the marketplace. But that's going to encourage all the other owners of the properties on Church Street to sell to developers. So their buildings can be torn down. And they can have equally tall buildings to replace them. says, no construction timelines were given and counselors expressed their concerns. Well, I would say so, folks, because now we've got a big hole in the ground over there that's just sitting there and time's going by and the city's losing buku tax dollars. Will Vogel of Brookfield said he took the concern seriously and would work to provide more information and contact going forward. Well, isn't that nice? Don't call us, we'll call you. I think that's what he's saying. We have control of this project now. Mr. Don Sinex is no longer in charge. He probably never was to begin with. Miro Weinberger, the mayor, he's a real estate developer. He could have told you all this was coming down the line. I sat right here for years, folks, and I told you from day one that this mall is never going to happen because when you see the state of Vermont passes laws saying that now when you shop on Amazon, you have to pay Vermont taxes. That goes to prove that they saw this coming down the road. They knew they would be losing taxes, and they prepared for it. So what do they do? They give this guy the permits to build and everything, even though he didn't have all his ducks in a row. And then they made it possible to tax you when you shop on Amazon. Because even the South Burlington Mall has been under foreclosure for years, folks. And we've all seen the articles, and I've read them right here, saying that, the city of South Burlington tried to give UVM the property so they could build a stadium there. And plus, the city of South Burlington was also going to give them something like $48 million to boot. Isn't that crazy? So that goes to show you that they were all in on it too. They all planned this years ago. That they would tax you when you buy on the internet such as Amazon.com. And they said, okay, everybody shops on Amazon now or eBay or Walmart, whatever. They got to pay Vermont taxes. Go ahead and tear down the malls. We don't care. And you have to say to yourself, when your building is going to be 12 to 14 stories tall, and it says right here that UVM is going to be having a lot of space taken up that building. So you're going to need a lot of parking. They're probably going to have to dig that down several levels for underground parking. Because I've read on here a million times too that the city of Burlington right now is short about 600 parking spaces. You have to compensate for that somehow. So there goes the Burlington Mall. 
It's no longer going to exist, as I've always said. And we're seeing that happening. So the first several levels are going to be underground parking. The rest is going to be office spaces. UVM is going to plant a lot of people in there. The top floors are going to be probably for government offices. And they'll have a 360-degree view of the lake and the mountains. The top's going to be for the higher echelon condos and whatnot. I can only imagine what a condo is going to cost in there. If you're going to be up about 14 stories and have a 360-degree view of the city of Burlington and Lake Champlain, you're probably going to be spending a couple million dollars for a condo in this building once it's completed. Remember where you heard that from, folks? Remember where you heard it from. We're going to go to a song here. What should we play? Show's going by really fast as it always does. This is an older one right here, and this is by the Human League. Having a couple issues here with the iMac. This is going pretty rough today. We'll get it going. All the kinks are out. Here we go. Thank you for tuning in, show. Like I said, you're listening to Louie Live and your host, Louie, and we are definitely live.
song called keep feeling fascination you ever notice how many democrats are in the presidential race it's about two dozen or so now isn't it another guy u.s senator michael bennett of colorado jumped into the packed democratic presidential primary this past thursday announcing a 2020 campaign that had been stalled while he was treated for prostate cancer sorry to hear for that you know, I think if I was being treated for prostate cancer, I would probably resign from office and go spend whatever time I had left with my family and friends. My father, he died from prostate cancer. It was mostly because he didn't really want to deal with it. And he wasn't himself anymore. So he basically let himself go and he died. And that happens. But all of these Democrats, that you don't even know who they are. You know, this Colorado senator, does he have any claim to fame? Does anybody even know who he is? He has no name recognition. So what's it all about? I think now everybody's out for the money. Everybody's throwing their hat in the ring. They know they don't stand a chance at all, but I think a lot of these politicians now, that they represent the crime world. So they have these websites, and all of a sudden, they're raising over $6 million in 24 hours. That's a bunch of BS, folks. They're not getting contributions from the average Joe, you know? twenty thirty dollars here and there some of these people have rallies like Joe Biden for instance it's a perfect example Hillary Clinton was running for president right mm -hmm. Hillary's running for president 2016 Joe Biden's out there doing a rally for her I believe it was at a college I'm not exactly sure but I recall seeing it on television I believe he was at a college, maybe in his home state. And he was in front of the college, and he was under one of those little tents, like you see at a flea market. 
right? It's under those tents. And students were walking by. And he would be like, hi, how you doing? I'm Joe Biden. I'm here campaigning on behalf of Hillary Clinton. And they're all like, okay, I'll shake your hand. Give me a pamphlet. See you later. Have a nice life, right? Didn't draw any crowd. I mean, it was just people walking by. That's the power that Joe Biden has after being involved in politics for 50 years. They showed Bernie Sanders the other day. He had a rally somewheres. He's like out in a field. He's up at the podium speaking. They had an aerial shot looking down. There must have been maybe 100 or so people there. Let's be generous and say 200 people, right? So you can't tell me that all of these people are donating like $5 million to Bernie Sanders in the first 24 hours and they're all averaging like 20 to $30 donations. It's a bunch of BS folks. BS, and I'm not talking about the initials of Bernie Sanders, the king of BS himself. But President Donald Trump, while he was campaigning, and even to this day, they show that he'll go to a stadium. Just last week, he was given a pep rally somewhere. And they said there was like 12,000, 13,000 people in the stadium to its maximum capacity. And outside, there are 70,000 people outside watching his speech on these big TV monitors. Those people are the ones that will donate five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars. And it is possible for him to raise five, six million dollars in twenty four hours. But when you see pep rallies like Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and they're gathering maybe a hundred people or so, I mean come on folks. You know that something stinks to high heaven. And you've got every Democrat and their cousin coming out to run for president. And like I say, these people obviously all represent the crime world because they want to drop the borders. They want to rewrite the Constitution to fit the 21st century. Anything goes with these people nowadays. But yet they all live in gated communities. They all live in mansions with big walls around their house and security guards. So like I say, why are all these people running for president? People we never even heard of? Because they want to get paid off by the crime world. And a good way to do it is through contributions. Nobody's going to really investigate that, right? Of course not. Bernie Sanders, like I said, 2016 election. 76-year-old man. Never accomplished anything politically in his entire life. He doesn't want to be the president. You know, he was just in it, like I said, to take the heat off of Hillary and get himself some retirement money. That's exactly what he did, folks. That's exactly what he's doing again.
people like Bernie Sanders come out and say he wants to tax you 70% of your income. You imagine that? Working as hard as you do, trying to keep your head above water, and this guy wants to tax you 70% of your income? And AOC, Alexandria Cortez, she says she wants to tax you 80%. I mean, do you really want to be the president? Do you think you're going to get votes telling people that you want to tax them 80% of their income? No, that's a big turnoff right there, folks. I don't care who you are. I don't care how smart you are or how dumb you are. Nobody with a lick of common sense is going to vote for someone that says they want to take 70 to 80% of your income. Bernie, he'll end up with another house down on the lake. You can see it already, folks. 742. Time is running down. My good friend Jerome P. Alimony, the founder of North Star Radio, is going to be coming in 8 to 10 tonight like he always does. I'm not really sure if his show is going to be recorded or if he's coming in live, but he was saying on Facebook today that I guess he's got some people coming on that he's going to interview. And it's going to be like the interview of all interviews. So I encourage everyone to stick around. I said in the beginning of the show that we would get back to uh, Robert Mueller and Attorney General William Barr. Here we can kill the rest of the show with that. It says right here, Attorney General William Barr, he told the House Judiciary Committee members that he would not testify Thursday, which was yesterday. It says, private tensions between Justice Department leaders and Special Counsel Robert Mueller's team broke into public view in extraordinary fashion this past Wednesday as Attorney General William Barr pushed back at the special counsel's snitty complaints over his handling of the Trump-Russia investigation report. Well, it's more than snitty, folks, because when he didn't show up, they showed members eating chicken. They had this, like, porcelain chicken statue on the desk where he was supposed to be questioned, and all these reporters from around the world were taking pictures of him saying he, he was chicken, and he didn't dare to show up. I mean, really, is that a sign of immaturity or insanity or gross negligence of power? He doesn't show up to ask questions, to answer questions. And they start calling him names like he's a liar. He's lying about the results of the Mueller investigation. Pretty bad, folks. It says, testifying for the first time since releasing Mueller's report, Barr faced sharp questioning from Senate Democrats who accused him of making misleading comments and seeming at times to be President Donald Trump's prosecutor as much as the country's top law enforcement official. 
Well, that's a bunch of BS, folks. I watched that on television, and they would ask him a question, and basically he said yes or no. Adam Schiff was looking for a report that he wanted Attorney General William Barr to hand over, and he asked him point blank, he says, are you going to hand over that document? And Attorney General, he literally, honest to God, he literally started laughing, and he looked him in the eye and he said no. And he told him, this investigation was led by Robert Mueller and a whole crew of people that hated Donald Trump's guts and worked for Hillary Clinton. And we have all the emails and everything to prove it. A lot more than snitty remarks, folks. That's honest to God's truth. And he said, I'm the Attorney General. I'm Robert Mueller's boss. He completed his investigation and he handed it over to me. And he said his exact words, then it became my baby. It was up to him to write a statement. And he did. It was four pages. And then he said it would take a couple of weeks to go over the results, which was about 400 pages. And he would have to redact certain things to protect people. And he says, then it would get to you in a couple weeks, and it did. But they want to see the whole thing unredacted. And as they said, there's not much in this report, this 400-page resort, because there is nothing there to begin with. And the question is, Robert Mueller, knowing there was nothing in this investigation, which was going to lead to nothing, but instead, he didn't tell the public, he didn't tell the Congress, he didn't tell the President, he didn't tell anybody. Instead, he just kept it going. Day after week, after month, after year. What we know for sure, folks, is that Robert Mueller and his team all became very rich off the taxpayers' expense for investing Russian collusion between President Trump and the Russians, and he knew from day one there was actually never nothing there. And like I said, these people are all Ivy League lawyers. They knew there was nothing there. They knew the phony dossier was paid for by Hillary Clinton and Obama. They have proof that Obama gave almost a million dollars to this phony dossier. They all decided to go forward with it anyhow. They didn't investigate anything. They didn't research anything. They just all took it upon themselves to go ahead and try to unseat the President of the United States of America. And now, Attorney General Robert Mueller is out of his hands. I'm sorry, I didn't mean Attorney General Robert Mueller. I meant Attorney General William Barr. It's in his hands. And he's not going to play games. And like they said, Barr separately informed the House Judiciary Committee that he would not appear for his scheduled hearing on Thursday, which was yesterday, because of the panel's insistence 
that he be questioned by committee lawyers as well as lawmakers. Not the congressmen themselves. There I have other people come in to do the dirty work. People that specialize in getting you to put your foot in a trap. And then they try to nail you for contempt. You know, Mr. Barr's been around forever. He's been the attorney general before. He knows all of these politicians and he's not playing their game. And they said right there that refusal sets the stage for Barr to possibly to be held in contempt of court. Well, it's not going to happen, folks. He can't be held in contempt of court because he was never subpoenaed to go there and sit before them and be grilled. He went there voluntarily. No subpoenas, nothing. He went there voluntarily, just as all the Republicans did, all the people that worked for Donald Trump. They all went there voluntarily. They stayed as long as it took to satisfy the Democrats who are trying to unseat the President of the United States. So he can't be held in contempt. But now, as you see, if you watch Fox News, and if you watch Sean Hannity at nighttime, Devin Nunes is on the investigation committee for the White House. They've been gathering all this information for years. And now, they're going to have their own investigations and the noose is tightening around the necks of the Democrats that are trying to unseat the President of the United States. And they know it. And they're all in panic mode. There's nothing they can do about it. All they could do is hope that the Attorney General, William Barr, would be stupid enough to go sit in front of them again and be grilled by lawyers who specialize in this. He's not dumb, folks, and it's not going to happen. And they're not going to get any more information. They've got all that the requ is required by the law. And Devin Nunes was on Sean Hannity saying how they had seen the Mueller report. And when it dropped, which was about a week after that show, they said nothing was going to happen because there was nothing in it. But Devin Nunes said that there is going to be a couple dozen people or so that were going to be incited to go sit before them and talk about this phony dossier. Talk about how Hillary and Obama paid for this phony dossier. Talk about how they all went forward with this phony dossier and didn't research anything, right? That's all coming. <laughs> My good friend Jerome P. Alimony's in the house. You know it, Louis Live. So you got some people coming on tonight? Yes, sir. That's what I see in your email. Oh man, I'm so happy. Hey, but bring me some food, people. Oh yeah. <laughs> I gotta be going home and eating uh, Chinese food like I usually do on Friday night. Oh, you ain't called me? Seems to be my thing, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to be mixing it with a little Cinco de Mayo this weekend. Yes, sir. Maybe some Jose Cuervo. No, Jose. No, Got Jose. Milagro. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. <laughs> Don't give me the hangover. Jose likes to punch people. 
yeah. You know what I found out is you ever drink El Charo? Yes. It's like $17 a bottle. Yes. That stuff's pretty good. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, we have fun over here, people. Louis Live gets y'all going and like it and right after. And, oh, man, that's what we do. 99.3 FM. That's what we're all about. Been here for two years, right? Three now we've been here. Is that right? Three? Yeah. Wow, man. That's time's going by quick. Mm-hmm. We having fun. They haven't pulled me off the air yet. I've had some people try. They threatened me. You know, oh yeah, they like they're like we're gonna come down there. We're gonna boycott your sponsors and whatever. Oh and really? I'm, and I'm like, well, good luck with that because you know we're a nonprofit organization. Well, can I say something to them? Yeah. Uh, this is P. Alimony of North Star Radio. Here with my brother Louis live every Friday night, six to eight p.m. To all the haters out there, we love you too. So keep listening, keep getting mad, keep talking about us. Thank you. Keep encouraging us, right? <laughs> all right, so we're going to wrap it up. My friend Jerome's going to take over. I'm going to leave you with a little Paul Young. And I hope you're back here next Friday night, 6 to 8. We were supposed to be over at Ruski Waking Windows tonight, but I guess we got uh, held out by the weather. Or they said something about we were double booked. Oh. So then they sent me an email saying, hey, you're back on if you want. So I'm like, okay, I really got nothing going on, I guess. So I'll come on. All right. So I'll see you all here next week, Friday, 6 p.m. Have a good weekend. And uh, remember, Cinco de Mayo. Click it or ticket. Click it or ticket. Call over. Everything's in moderation, right? right. Moderation. Tequila. All right. Have a good weekend, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Three years, huh? Three years with this thing we've been doing.